In this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I am bringing you the one and only glucose goddess, and we are going to dive into all things blood sugar. Think of this podcast as a masterclass on blood sugar. Now, if you're not familiar with Jessie, please go follow her on Instagram. She has some incredible information that she shares there. She has incredible books. Again, you may know her as a glucose goddess. We'll leave all her links in our notes. But what I loved about this podcast that was just such a geek out moment for me is that I had been following Jessie's work for over a year now, and I just love the way she teaches. She teaches very simply. She really gave the world some incredible blood sugar hacks. But also what was really amazing, and you'll hear it in this podcast, is you can hear us teaching each other. Like, And I love this about growth-minded people. I asked her a ton of questions about the microbiome and the liver and how it supports great metabolic health. And there was a few things she didn't know, and she would say to me, teach me, tell me. And, and I love that collaborative mindset. That's how all experts should be when coming together. She definitely is a lifelong long learner. You can see that in this conversation. She is not only wise from a research standpoint, but she has really been observing people's behaviors around food and glucose and understanding that through the lens of a human. (laughs) And I mean that in the sense that we have a lot of researchers out there that understand these concepts from a lab perspective. But what is unique about Jessie is she's such a good teacher. She is so good at sharing all these incredible hacks for glucose, but she shares it from a person's day-to-day lens. So what you're about to hear is everything you need to know about stabilizing your blood sugar. And it's not as simple as just eating the right foods. You want to make sure that you get the right combination of foods. Along with, she has some really good pre and post meal ideas to be able to keep your blood sugar low. So it was just an incredible experience to come together with such a brilliant woman who is so collaborative, so in service of humanity, and perhaps one of the greatest conversations I've ever had on blood sugar. And I've had a lot. So that says a lot. And I, I cannot wait to hear what you all think of this. So blood sugar, it is the most important thing to understand about your health. So if you love this, share it with the world. And I hope you truly enjoy the wisdom that is unfolding before your ears in this episode. So the glucose goddess, here you go. What you need to know about blood sugar. Welcome to the Resetter Podcast. This podcast is all about empowering you to believe in yourself again. If you have a passion for learning, if you're looking to be in control of your health and take your power back, this is the podcast for you. We as a human race are incredibly mineral deficient. And a large part of that is coming because our soils, the food that our soils are growing in, are incredibly depleted, especially here in America, but uh, throughout the world, we're seeing that soils are not having the same mineral-rich content that they did years ago. And minerals are really strange because they have this subtle 
yet powerful effect on our brain and our body. So things like depression and anxiety have been linked to mineral deficiencies, which is why I am constantly looking for mineral resources. And Element has done an incredible job with their products. So if you're not familiar with Element, they are a mineral packet. You can put it in your water as you're going throughout your day. They will keep you in a fasted state. And they have really yummy flavors. So check out Element. If you go to Drink Element, so let me spell it for you because it's a little tricky play on word words. I actually say Elementy or Element, depending on how you want to say it. So their website is Drink Element. So D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash Mindy Pels. And if you go, we'll also leave the link in the, in the notes below. But if you go and you check out their website, they will give you a discount. And let me know what your favorite flavor is. So hopefully you all know how seriously I take my health routine. And I have a couple of non-negotiables. And let me tell you one of them. And that is getting a daily dose of red light therapy. So for years now, I've been using a red light product put out by Juve, and I use my device daily to support healthy cellular function, which is truly the foundation of all aspects of our health. So having healthy cellular function not only gives me peace of mind that my body is working exactly how I want it to work, but that my body also has the energy it needs to get through the day. There are so many clinically proven benefits from red light therapy, such as improving your skin. Yep, massively improves your collagen production of your skin. It also helps with faster muscle recovery. It reduces pain and inflammation. It enhances sleep. And recently, I'm noticing what a profound effect it's having on my thyroid health. Their modular design allows for a variety of setup options that really gives you flexibility. Plus the treatments are so easy and they can be done in as little as 10 minutes. All you have to do is relax, sit back and let the light heal your body. It is such an easy hack to integrate into your daily routine. So here's what's really awesome is that Juve is offering all of my listeners an exclusive discount on their first order. All you got to do is go to juve.com forward slash Pels and use the code resetter at your checkout. So that's Juve. Let me spell it for you because it can be a little tricky. It's J-O-O-V-V dot com forward slash Pels. And you can dive in. I can't wait for you all to try this miraculous therapy. And as always, let me know how it works for you. I have to start off by just saying this is a conversation that not only did my audience ask me to bring you here and my following, but is a personal one that I could not wait to sit down Aww. and go through what we're about to go through. So thank you for thank being you, here. Thank you, Mindy, for having me. It's a total pleasure. Yeah. I also have to tell you that when I first found out about you, uh -huh. so many people say to me, like, tell me how you did social media. And my general idea is like, find something you're passionate about and just show up with a camera and just ignite the world on fire. And yeah. everybody gets on camera and they're so stiff and they're so like, well, you should do blah, blah, blah. And then I saw you with the rainbow, with the rainbow on your head. And I was like, 
that woman has it fucking right. You know, because well what, what I think about is people are just scrolling so, through social media, mostly yeah. on the toilet, right? So you have to just like grab their attention if you want your content to go somewhere. So whatever you can use that is fun, I think it's totally worth it. So yeah, yeah. the rainbow filter, it, iconic. Oh, it's a filter. Yeah, it's a filter. It's unique what did you, you think it was? Like a real rainbow? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not think it. Although I did think she has such sparkling energy that like a rainbow is coming out of her head. Oh, thank you, Mindy. No, it's a filter. I found this amazing artist uh, and she designed it for me. And uh, yeah, it became my little custom filter. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Thank you. So, Okay. But that out of the way, I do have to say that after reading your book, watching what you're doing, and I'm you're so in alignment with what I'm trying to teach the world, um, I've come to this question in my own head. Tell me. Which is, do is it more important what foods you eat, like the individual foods you eat, or do we actually need to know how the heck we are supposed to eat? Well, I think we all know that what we eat has an impact on our health. And I think that's kind of a given. You understand that if you eat a donut, it's not going to be the same as eating a piece of broccoli. But the how we eat is actually very important because that donut, depending on how you eat it, when, after what, is going to have a different impact on your physical and mental health. So I think I want to bring into the conversation the how. Right. So that you learn how to eat all the stuff you love in a way that is better for your health. Right. Okay. So did you read the zone diet back? No. Yeah. But I heard a lot about about it. it. I heard about it. Okay. So I was just writing about this in my, my new book that's coming out. And I was talking about my, my journey with nutrition Mm. and the zone diet. I read when I was in college, I was a competitive tennis player. And the idea, as you know, but to fill everybody else in was that when you had a plate that you would look at your plate and you would say, I want a handful of protein. Mm. I want a handful of a carbohydrate and I want a half a handful of fat and that you never left that idea in your mind when you put a meal together. What about veggies and fiber? Uh, He didn't really talk about that because remember, now this was back, I just recently looked this up. It was back in like the 1990s and he, you know, back then we were low, low fat. Yes. So I think he was trying to bring fat back into the car in the to the conversation. And his most profound thing that he said yeah. is that when bread comes to the table, the worst thing you can do is not put butter on it. <laughs> Love it. So he was really trying to push fat back into the conversation, yeah. right? That's so interesting. And you know, these fads come and go. I was talking yesterday to this person who was like, so what do you think? Is it better to be vegan or keto? I'm like, listen, whatever diet you choose... What all these diets have in common is that they cut out processed foods Mm -hmm. and they tell you to eat less crap, essentially. Mm -hmm. So whatever's going to help you get on the path eating more whole foods is helpful. Right. But I'm really anti-fad and I I really don't like... anti-fat? Anti-fad. Oh, fat. Fad diet. Okay, I'm just... just You're like, what? I'm like, wait, we're going down a whole other path now. No, and and I really don't like it when my work is categorized as a diet. Me too. Right? Because I'm like, diet means fad... Okay, means restrictive, means you're only going to do it for 10 days and then binge all the Oreos in the back of your cupboard. So it's not a diet. And I think you and I have that in common. We're trying to teach people these principles. And to me, the hacks that I share, they're on the same level as brush your teeth, drink water, wear sunscreen, have a savory breakfast, right? Like to me, that's the public health level at which we're operating. Yes. But every time you hear food, especially as women, we've been bombarded with messages. Yes. The 30-day fad, this, the 30-day diet, this, lose five pounds in one day, you know, lose 30 pounds in one hour. I mean, the the marketing is wild. So we really need to go against diet culture that is just trying to make money off your back and teach people 
physiology, yes. how your body works so you can get agency and freedom back. Yes. Okay. So let's go back because I have so many thoughts just on that one thing alone. Let's go all the way back to like the day somebody's born. Mm. Okay. I have this philosophy in my own head that the day we are born, a human comes out into the world. And when's your birthday? When you were, when were you born? Uh, 10, 15, October 15th, oh, 1960 nice. died. Is that is that relevant? Does I that just matter? wanted to know oh, your birthday. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I'm a Libra. I'm a nice. Libra. I'm a Gemini, June 16th. Oh, so I don't know who's going to show up here. <laughs> well, this is going to go down. Um, so, but we don't. We come out, and everything that we're taught about our health mm. is outside in. So it's if you're sick, you need a pill. Um, if you're if you're under stress, then we're gonna again put you on a pill. Uh, when you eat, you eat for your taste buds. Like nothing is from the inside out. I love this quote from Alan Watts. He said, "The animal eats with its stomach. Mm. The man eats with its brain." So we are sort of intellectually trying to decide what to eat, but we're not connected to what our bodies really need. Right. So. I love that. Mm. And I want to add into that something that I know you're really passionate about, which is our, our taste buds are now hijacked yeah. from chemicals in our food. Mm -hmm. So the human being born today is in really bad shape because of the food quality mixed with this lack of education on how. Yeah. So I tell you all that to say, if you were to go back to a, a newborn baby, a new mom, yeah. and you were going to teach this new mom how that baby should, the, what's the food philosophy mm. that that baby needs to know, what would it be? Okay. I would say the first thing that comes to mind, especially relevant for kids and teenagers, is do not have dessert for breakfast. Breakfast mm. is not dessert time. All of the breakfast food that you see today are total man-made inventions that make a lot of money to the food industry. But this breakfast cereal and the yeah. fruit juices yeah. and the fruit smoothies and the granola, and that the is yogurt. dessert. Yeah, that is dessert, right? Breakfast is a normal meal. So breakfast should be savory. And then I would also tell this mom, listen, your kid is going to grow up in a world where quote unquote, processed and bad junk food is everywhere. So you need to teach your kid mm. to maximize the pleasure they're going to get from the donut because everybody wants something sweet once in a while. But you have to teach them how to eat that in a way that's going to be less harmful to their health. And the most basic place to start is to say, if you want to eat something sweet, something mm. processed, something junky foody, have it for dessert after a meal, mm. never for breakfast, never on an empty stomach, right? So you're pulling sweet out of the meal. Mm -hmm, exactly. I'm taking sweet out of breakfast. Yes. And then I'm saying, if you want to eat something sweet, it should be at the end of a meal for dessert. Never on its own. Never first thing in the morning. Because that way, you're getting the dopamine hit, right. which is this uh, innate reward system. Yeah. You know, we get a hit of this pleasure molecule when we eat something sweet. That's right. But if we have the sweet thing at the end of a meal after there's already other foods in our stomach, right. we're going to reduce the glucose spike from it. And it kind of aligns so perfectly with this concept of we need to give our body more rest from eating, more fasting windows, which is why instead of having, for example, a sweet snack at 4 p.m., which is what I did every day coming home right. from school, don't do that. Have the sweet thing after dinner or after lunch, not in the middle of the day at random times where the sugar is going to arrive so quickly into your bloodstream and create a spike. Yeah. So when I was in clinical practice and was sitting down really trying to change people's behaviors around food, breakfast... Yeah. Was the hardest behavior to I change. I know, girl. Because the two things everybody wanted to eat was a glass or have a glass of orange juice 
and a bowl of cereal. Yeah. And when I would say, we're going to take that out, I mean, this is how I stumbled upon fasting. I was like, let's just take breakfast all out. You're like, I can't deal. <laughs> I just, can't. just cancel breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely that. It was out of like, let's cancel breakfast because people couldn't get breakfast right. Yeah. So give me an example. If I was to eat breakfast, what would be a good breakfast for okay. glucose? So breakfast should be, or by the way, the first meal of your day, no yes. matter what time it Thank is. Thank you. It yes. can be 6 a.m. It can be 4 p.m. I right. do not care. The the meal that will break your fast yes. should be savory, should be built around protein. Thank you. Have some healthy fats and fiber in there. You can put some starch in if you want, but just for taste, right? You can put a, a slice of bread. You can put some potatoes. You can have some oats, but just for taste, right. never as the main character, okay? The, the starch is not the star of your breakfast yeah. meal. And then if you want to eat something sweet during your breakfast, you can have some whole fruit. But again, for taste, okay? So the worst breakfast for your glucose levels would be glass of orange juice, oats with honey, oatmeal. and uh, oatmeal. Oh, yeah, for God, example. God, the freaking oatmeal. Yes. Everybody does that. And so and I think people don't realize that if you change your breakfast to something that keeps your glucose levels steady, you will feel so different. Your mitochondria will make energy more effectively. You're going to be less cravings, uh, less tired throughout the day. You're going to have fewer cravings. It will truly transform who you are as a person. It is that, it has that deep yeah. of an impact. Agreed. To me, it's, you know, when in the movies, somebody walks through the mirror and goes to the parallel universe, it's like you have the sweet breakfast universe where you feel like crap all day and the savory breakfast universe where you're like, oh, my God, my brain is clear. I have energy to do stuff that I want to do. It's that transformative. And that's why in my method it is the first hack you go after. It's the first thing to change. First meal. Of the yes. Day. The first so, meal of the day. OK, so I have a ton of things to say on that because okay. in Fast Like a Girl, yeah. when uh, Hay House picked it up. They, I said, they, they wanted to rearrange a few things in my table of contents. And one of the things everybody asked is, do we really need a whole chapter on how to break a fast? You were like, yes. I was like, absolutely. Every single fasting book that has come out, we have not addressed how do you go back into food? So it's a huge problem. It's a because huge if problem. If you fast for 16 hours and then you have orange juice and oatmeal, you're fucking up your body. A absolutely. Because after a long fast, your digestive system is so empty and so sensitive. Anything you give it is going to go straight into your bloodstream. You have to be super cautious. So agreed. And talk about why more. I mean, I, I look at that first meal through the lens of the microbiome. Mm. So what I, where I want to go in this thought process for all humans is that there's this belief that it's like our human cells that control blood sugar levels. And we like the bacteria is just a nuisance we're going to push aside. But in the research that I've done, you actually, it's the microbes mm. that are balancing your blood sugar. So when you go into a fasted state, you are reorganizing the whole terrain on the inside of the gut, which is helping these microbes. And that first meal you feed them is either going to make or break what you did to your microbiome during your fast. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know much about microbiome research. You will probably teach me more okay, about this. Great. Teach me. Tell me. Okay. So this is the most current research that I saw is that the microbes... Actually, when we eat, they send a signal to the liver and they coordinate with the liver through the, the hepatic or yeah, the hepatic portal vein. This uh -huh. is the one that I recently, like literally two weeks ago, I looked this up. I'm like, this is it. Um, and it tells the liver how to regulate blood glucose. sugar. Yeah, li the liver is the, you know, the conductor of your right. glucose levels. But it's the microbes. That's really interesting. In the gut that are telling the liver. That's super interesting. So if you feed those microbes yeah. something that makes them happy, 
that first meal, in that first meal, you've now got a better shot at stabilizing blood sugar, which is why I think the apple cider vinegar mm. works so well because you gave the microbes the fuel they want. Yeah, fermented foods, acetic acid, it's so good. It's not just the microbes, though, because even in your stomach, there's already some responses that start and that tell your brain to, you know, tell your pancreas to release insulin that, you know, uh, align all of your hunger hormones. But it's so interesting that the microbes are actually part of this equation as well. I mean, it makes so much sense. It makes, it makes so much sense, yeah. which then leads me, of course, my brain goes to women. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so women that have been on birth control yeah. for like decades. Mm -hmm. on, I, I sat with so many women who have been on like 10, 20, 30 rounds of antibiotics. Mm -hmm. And their microbes are completely decimated and they are weight loss resistant. Yeah. And they can't bring back the balance back into their body because of the destruction of the microbes. So from your perspective, mm -hmm. when I dove into your work, I was like, oh, she, she's got the microbe thing down. Yeah, absolutely. Because another thing I talk about a lot is fiber, right? Okay, great. Having fiber at the beginning of a meal, not only does it create this really wonderful mesh on your intestinal wall yeah. to prevent, first of all, leaky gut, but also to prevent glucose molecules from arriving too quickly into your bloodstream. Right. And then the fiber is also, you know, your microbes' favorite food. Right. So it's all kind of connected. And what I love about the lens of the glucose hacks is that when you focus on them, so many other things fall into place. Yeah. Glucose is not everything, of course. And you know that. I know that. It's not the end all be all. The main thing, though. It's the main thing. It's it's For me, it's the main window through which to enter really in a, in a beautiful, helpful, healing way, mm -hmm. your food habits. Yep. You see, so the, the fiber hack is the following. I explained that when you're going to have a lunch or a dinner, by the way, it can also be a, a break fast meal, whatever time that is. It's always very helpful to start with vegetables because mm -hmm. vegetables contain fiber. Mm -hmm. And when you have fiber at the beginning of a meal, this is very important, at the beginning of the meal, the fiber in the veggies has time to coat your intestinal wall and make mm. this really protective mesh that then slows down any glucose molecules coming down later from pasta or cookies or whatever during the meal to make their way into your bloodstream too quickly. And also it impacts your microbiome in this really beneficial way. So if you're fasting for a long time, actually, yes, your meal should be savory. But mm -hmm. if you can, on top of that, have your first mouthfuls be vegetables fiber. with fiber, yeah. it's going to be, I mean, the rewards on your blood sugar are tremendous, right? And you're going to extend the benefits of that fasting for so much longer if you do this. Yeah, and and a thousand percent agree. And that is one thing that I really have been trying to emphasize is this metabolic sh switch. Yeah. That what I, what, and this is why our work is so beautiful together, mm -hmm. because what I feel like I really tried to do is teach people like, let's come on over here and just take some breaks. <laughs> like we just need to pause. Just like give her a break, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. she needs to rest, girl. Exactly. Mama needs some time. Yeah. <laughs> Your whole metabolic system has just been messed up from this horrible food system that has kept you addicted, has got you filled with all these obesogens. Let's just give it a break. And then people got, they got a result. But then this cha challenge that I had was getting them to go back into food. Yeah. Because every time they went back into food, all of a sudden their blood sugar started to go too high and they started to gain weight. Mm -hmm. So with that idea in mind, if I'm putting a meal together, yeah. you just talked about fiber first. Uh -huh. Give me just like, here's what you should have learned the day you were born. <laughs> well, you should have learned that, you know, these sort of old school cultural habits that we have a lot in Europe of starting your meal with vegetables. Mm. So in France, we have crudité, which means raw veggies at the beginning of a meal. And when I arrived in, in your studio, you had this beautiful plate uh, mm. on the kitchen and there were some raw veggies 
is there. And and in Italy, for example, they have antipasti, which is um, usually roasted veggies at the beginning of a meal. In the Middle East, they start their meals with uh, herbs by the bunch. We need to go back to these cultural traditions mm-hmm. and we need to start our meals, meals with a plate of vegetables. Now, this doesn't have to be complicated. It can be, even if you don't have time, just grab two baby carrots from the fridge or three cherry mm-hmm. tomatoes. If you have time, maybe, you know, cook some green beans, roast some cauliflower. You can put some little sauce on there. Start your meals with vegetables. Mm, This will then dampen any glucose spike coming down afterwards from the rest of your regular meal. And if you do nothing else, if the savory breakfast sounds too complicated, if you do nothing else at your next dinner, just add a plate of veggies to the beginning of your meal and then eat what you normally would eat, Mm -hmm. right? Don't change the rest of the meal. Just Mm -hmm. test this. Mm -hmm. And by doing so, you will reduce the spike of your regular dinner and you'll feel better, better energy, fewer cravings, less hunger, less brain fog, less impact on your hormones, less impact on your sleep quality. Mm -hmm. And then slowly this virtuous cycle kind of puts itself into place and you're actually eating more than usual, Mm -hmm. but you're also craving less sugar and less junk food. And it's just, it's like a wedge. You just put it in, puff, Mm -hmm. and then you open this world of steadier blood sugar levels Mm -hmm. and feeling so much more like yourself. Mm. Oh, I love that. And you know where my brain goes yeah, to? Just, just from like sitting with so many people, this is literally what I think somebody would say or listening would say, but what if I don't like veggies? Mm. I think you can find recipes that you'll like. Try a broccoli soup, you know, with mm. some cream in there. Mm. Try some roasted cauliflower with some tahini and parmesan. Like, come on. There's Come something on. You and can I got try. a ton of, of recipes yes, to you help do. you. Yep. And listen, if you don't like veggies and you don't want to try this, that's totally your prerogative. Mm-hmm. But I believe there's something in there for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think most of us maybe have this idea that veggies are gross, you know, like the really mm. bitter um, what Brussels sprouts or really bitter zucchini just boiled in some water. Yeah, of course, veggies can be gross, but veggies can also be really damn mm. good. Mm-hmm. So you just have to put a little bit of work in and yep. see what works for you. And, and I have a belief that mm. your microbes, we're back at the microbes. I'm a little mildly obsessed with the microbes right now. Like <laughs> yeah. No, because I think they're, they're like the forgotten hero. But they tell you what you want to eat, actually. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, when I first started studying fasting, there was a, a beautiful book that came out called The Every Other Day Diet. Okay. Have you ever? No. Ever, okay. And this is what they, this woman did. She was a researcher. She took a group of people that had high cholesterol, had extra weight, high blood pressure, all the horrible metabolic markers. And she said, you eat whatever you want every other day. Mm. But on the days that you're not eating, you're fasting. And so they took this group. Right. I know. Can you imagine taking like the standard American diet person through that experiment? She did lose uh, like about 15 to 20 percent of the of the of the group. Can I be honest? That sounds horrible. That sounds like the worst thing to do. Do you know that a lot of people fast that way? Really? To this day? But that's unfortunate because I think if you do that, you're not actually feeding your body good food. You're Okay, but this is the part that was magic. Tell me. Is that at the end of a year, what ended up happening is everybody lost weight, everybody's cholesterol improved, mm. every, all the metabolic markers were better, but the biggest shocker real was their taste buds, buds changed. Good. And so they started making smarter choices. That's great. And so this is why I'm such a fan of feeding your microbes is because they control your taste buds. Completely. So if you take somebody who has a massive sugar addiction, Mm -hmm. and in your experience, you start giving them fiber at the front of every meal, feeding those microbes, what have you seen as far as their cravings in, in what period of time? Well... 
in a few days, the cravings for the chocolate bar at 4 p.m. dissipate. And I'm sure there's a microbe angle, but also what I know is that there's a big glucose angle in the sense that if you reduce glucose... Look, so every time you eat too many carbs or sugars, yeah. you experience a big blood sugar spike and then a drop. And that drop has been shown to activate Ooh, yeah. this craving center in your brain telling you like, Mindy, eat some ice cream. Eat some yeah, ice cream. And you can't resist that chocolate. voice. Chocolate. It's usually chocolate. Chocolate. Okay. Those microbes. And that is the craving center in your brain telling you to find something sweet because your blood sugar levels are low. Now, there's surely another microbiome path as well to this that I don't know much about yet, but I want to look more into this. And so you have all these different pathways activating where unsteady blood sugar levels and eating too many processed carbs are just going to increase your cravings. Yeah. And then there's the dopamine, right? So... And then you're tired because your mitochondria are exhausted from all the glucose spikes. And so you're just like, oh, you feel so lethargic. So you want some dopamine. Want so what I see is just by adding, for example, a veggie starter or having a savory breakfast instead of a sweet mm -hmm. one, you act so profoundly on that glucose spike. Mm -hmm. The glucose spike reduces, the glucose crash reduces. So the activation of your craving center in your brain is just not happening as much anymore. Brilliant. So if you want to eat chocolate, you're doing it from a place of enjoyment and pleasure, not a place of like, I need something sweet right now. Like anything, give me a chocolate bar. You know that feeling? Yep, it's yep. a very different world to yep. be in that feeling versus to be in the feeling of, hey, you know what? I think tomorrow I'm going to go get my favorite chocolate cake at this bakery. Yes. And you're having fun and you're enjoying it and you're yeah. looking forward to it, but you're not not a victim. You're not controlled yeah. by the urge. And that's what happens when you steady your glucose levels. It's like an empty hole is what I've yeah. noticed. Like people are just eating. And, you know, even in the research that I've seen that dopamine in people that are more obese, mm. they actually don't get the same enjoyment out of their food mm. that their dopamine because they're just so dopamine saturated. Yeah. And, and how I discovered that was looking at the 48 hour fast, uh -huh. which is a dopamine reset because what I, the research shows is that all of a sudden these new dopamine receptors receptor sites open up. That's fascinating. And I found that through the lens of looking at the research on people who are obese. Mm. And it honestly gave me a whole new level of compassion for the person who struggles to lose weight because they are not getting the same dopamine hit. They're not filling up. And so they're just eating and eating and eating, trying to help themselves feel normal like they for did sure. years ago. This idea that if you're fat, you're lazy is such bullshit. It's I mean, total bullshit. Everybody wants to be healthy and feel good. Nobody's doing this on purpose, feeling like, oh, I want to fuck up my body. We are all just sort of victims to our physiology, what's going on, our dopamine, our microbes, yeah. our glucose spikes, glucose crashes. We're out of control. Right, Agreed. But everybody wants to feel good. And then you add to that all these marketing messages. Hey, this product has no sugar added or this product is vegan. You know, And you're like, oh, that must mean it's good for me. Actually, it's full of processed sugar and processed carbs and it's making you sicker. Yeah. So we are kind of in a situation where people are locked into this place of I want to feel better, but everything around me has given me bad information and I'm just feeling worse and worse yes. and worse. Yeah. Which is why going back to physiology and the biochemistry of your body and kind of common sense, like the stuff I talk about, it's common Common sense. It's super common. It's super sense. common sense. But now we have the science to understand why it's so good. Yeah. And then I want everybody to go back to this common sense stuff. Yeah. But it's a lot like the work that I'm doing, where what I hear, and I'm sure you hear this all the time from people, they go, God, that just makes sense. Yeah. And I think we've just so overcomplicated food. So, and, and we've just taken all the power away from the person. For sure. So, so, okay, fiber being what I just learned in that very long discussion. Is thank you for going down the geeky path yeah, of, of science with me. Okay, what's next? So fiber for okay. sure. Okay, so the most important hacks are savory breakfast, 
fiber first mm -hmm. during a lunch or a dinner. Then another one I want to mention is vinegar because that's quite mm -hmm. interesting yeah. and it's good for your microbes. Yes. Microbes because it's fermented. So vinegar, everybody has vinegar in their kitchen. It's everywhere. It's a very common ingredient. Yeah. But recently, scientists have discovered that it has an amazing impact on your glucose levels. Mm -hmm. And vinegar contains a molecule that I love. It's called acetic acid. Mm -hmm. And acetic acid is awesome. When you have a tablespoon of vinegar in a tall glass of water before eating, and it can be any type of vinegar, mm -hmm. okay, whatever, apple cider, white vinegar, just avoid the very Italian syrupy balsamic glaze stuff because that's full of added sugars. Mm, well said. Yeah, but any kind of standard vinegar, the acetic acid in there will slow down the digestion of carbs. So you have the vinegar before having a meal and any carbs in that meal will turn to glucose molecules more slowly. Mm. That way you're still eating the stuff you like, but with less impact on your glucose levels. Therefore, less creation of this addiction cycle for the rest of the day, less impact on your mitochondria, less impact on your brain, on your hormones, etc. Yeah, so that's another really easy one. So it's literally like a tablespoon of... Tablespoon of vinegar, big glass of water before eating a meal, about like five to 10 minutes before. Okay. And to your earlier question, what if somebody doesn't like the taste? Yeah, well, I know. I was going to say. I'm first of all, you don't have to do it if you don't like it. Right? I'm just sharing the science. Like, live your life. No problem. Uh, you can also use lemon. Uh, lemon doesn't have acetic acid. It has citric acid. Mm. It doesn't work in the same way, but it's still a little bit powerful on your glucose levels. And then here's the thing. You can also combine the vinegar hack and the veggies first hack. Mm -hmm. You could make a nice little salad with some vinegar dressing mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. And that's the best way to start your meals. Yeah. Now you've combined them veggies both. and vinegar. Now your gut is lined. You've got the acetic acid in there protecting you. Your microbiome is fed. And you're going to have a much better time for the rest of the meal and the rest of the day. Yeah. Hey, Resetters. As we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy to become a member. 
I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash Reset Academy. Excited to see you there. So you know what? I, I'm laughing because Why? so apple cider vinegar is a hot topic on yeah. YouTube. It's like a trending topic on YouTube. Mm. And so I don't know, like a couple years ago, um, we have a we have a guy who helps us with our YouTube channel. And he was like, you need to do a, vin- a, a video on apple cider vinegar. And I was like, really? Like, I don't like apple cider vinegar. And then I went and looked at the science. You thought it was a fad. I thought it was a fad. Yeah. Too. I was like, there's no way this is legit. This is like an Instagram influencer thing, right? That's exactly the what I thought. The clinical trials are so legit. It's yes. fascinating. It's crazy. Yeah. And actually, vinegar has been used for centuries in right. so many cultures as a health ingredient. Yes. But now we understand the science. Yeah, I was the same as you. I was like, no way this is a real thing. Yeah. And I was like, well, there's like 15 clinical trials on a tablespoon of vinegar and it actually seems to work. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing that I just was thinking as you were talking that I loved when I first discovered your work is that we were over here. I'm going to, I'll put myself in this category. Like there was a subset of, of people over here educating about keto and Mm. carnivore and paleo and like all those. And all of that was about how to bring your glucose down. Yeah. And so it was manipulation of the type of food. Mm -hmm. And what I just heard in two, in the two biggest hacks that you just gave were two things you add in. Yes. And when you add in, that's so much easier than taking something away. Girl, I know. Because if you take stuff away, that shit's going to come right back. It's right. (laughs) It's too hard. It's, I mean, I applaud people who are able to say, I'm just never eating sugar ever again. That's not me. Yes, I'm, I love me sugar. neither. I eat sugar yeah. every single day. Yeah. So I needed to find ways to eat it in a way that's less harmful without taking it out. And that way, it's not a diet, right. you see, because to me, diet means restriction, cutting out food groups, doing this whole thing that is just not at all sustainable. Yeah. Whereas here, we're talking about principles that are almost like, you know, gentle giants or fairy godmothers that you have in the back of your head and you do them when it's easy and it's helping your body. It's additive. It's not frustrating. It's not stressful. Yeah. And that's why it works. And that's why people easily stick with it, even though there's not really much to stick with. Right. It's just new principles to add to your life when they're easy to add. So beautiful. So beautiful. (laughs) Okay. So outside of adding those two things in, is there anything else about putting a meal together that I need to know? One of my hacks is called putting clothing on your carbs. Okay. So that's another thing about adding. Dress them up. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Take them so, out. Take them out. <laughs> like, get them ready for a party is what I heard. Exactly. So I'm sure your listeners uh, know this, but I just want to recap for anybody who might be new. So carbs, there's two categories of carbs. There's starches. So that's bread, pasta, rice, oats, potatoes, and sugars. Anything that tastes sweet mm-hmm. from a piece of chocolate to an apple. And these are carbs, mm-hmm. right? So if you eat starches or sugars on their own, meaning you grab a piece of bread on its own, meaning you have a cookie on its own, that's what I call eating your carbs naked. Mm. Okay, it's don't, just the carb. You don't want your carbs naked. Now, what's the problem with this <laughs> is that if your carbs are naked, all the glucose and fructose in them is going to pass into your bloodstream very quickly. Mm-hmm. Nothing slowing them down, nothing holding them back. What you want to do in the case that you want to eat some carbs like this on an empty stomach is you always want to add some clothing to them. Mm. Clothing meaning protein, fat, or fiber. Okay. Let me give you an example. If you want a slice of bread, 
add some avocado to it. Yeah. If you want a cookie, have five almonds with it. Mm. If you want a slice of cake, add a Greek yogurt, yes. right? Always add these other molecules that are going to coat the carbs and slow down the digestion mm. and slow down the speed at which they arrive in your bloodstream. Mm. You're still eating the carb, but it's arriving more slowly into your blood. Therefore, it's creating a smaller glucose spike. And that is mm. the whole concept. Slow down mm. the speed of the yes. glucose arrival yes. because that way your body undergoes way less stress. Because when glucose arrives really quickly, like bam, first of all, inflammation goes up. Your mitochondria freak out and not able yep. to make energy effectively anymore. Insulin goes like, oh my God, yep. we have to get this out of, the, out of the circulation. And your whole body is on high alert. Yep. Whereas if you give it the same glucose more steadily, everything works much yes. better. And then you don't have the crash as yeah. well, which would create even more cravings. So well said. And can you just so people, we fill people in, like you literally just described insulin resistance. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like it's too much flooding at the cell uh -huh. all at once. Mm -hmm. And and one, I, this is another concept that my brain has been geeking out on recently because when all that glucose gets like, and insulin comes at the cell, the cell doesn't know what to do. So in order to save your life, it can't get it in there to activate it, to create energy with the mitochondria. It stores it as fat. Yeah, pretty much. So one example, okay, let me, let me explain insulin resistance in the way that I think is really easy to understand. So every time you have a glucose spike, your body knows that spike is harming it, mm -hmm. okay? It's creating inflammation, aging, etc. So your pancreas releases insulin. Insulin is amazing. Her job is to grab the excess glucose floating around and store it mm -hmm. in your liver, in your muscles, and in your fat cells. Therefore, it brings down the overall level of glucose. Now, Here's the thing. Do you drink coffee, Mindy? I do. Okay. So the first time I had a coffee, I was like 16. And I had a cup of coffee and then I stayed awake for two days. It was like, this is the strongest thing I've ever yeah, tried yeah, in my yeah. life. But then after a few months of drinking coffee every day. Like, give me four more. Exactly. I was like, four <laughs> coffees barely woke me right. up. What had happened? My body had become habituated or resistant to caffeine. Mm. I needed more and more of it to get the same effect. Now, your body... It, Experience the same experiences the same thing with insulin. Mm. Over time, as insulin rushes in to grab the excess glucose, your body becomes resistant to it. Mm -hmm. So your pancreas Great. needs to push out more and more and more of it to bring that glucose down. Yeah. And then over time, your insulin levels start rising. Glucose levels can no longer be controlled properly, so they start rising as well. Mm -hmm. And that's insulin resistance. It's a, it is literally your body becoming less sensitive to insulin. Right. And why is this a bad thing? Because insulin resistance is type 2 diabetes. So when it gets to a point that is quite bad, it's called prediabetes. Yep. And when it gets to a point that's real bad, it's called type 2 diabetes. Right. But these conditions are not genetic. They're not something you can't do anything about, right? If you reverse the insulin resistance, and fasting is a really good way of doing this, then you're going to reduce your insulin levels, reduce your glucose levels, and then put your diabetes into remission. Mm. So that's the way that I like to conceptualize insulin resistance. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And two things I have to say on that first, you're the only other human I've ever met that gives a pronoun pronoun to hormones. Yeah. <laughs> I am I have been walking around saying that I feel like I'm estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone's PR person. Because I always say, Estrogen, this is what she wants She's you amazing. to know. She's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. She wants you to know this. this mm -hmm. what, and I just heard you give, yeah. you give uh, insulin a pronoun and you made it a her. Yeah. Thank I you. Give, she's a her. Fiber is also a her. She's a superwoman. I love her. Acetic acid, I think he's a he. I don't know, but I dig him, so we can discuss this. But I think it's cool because it get, 
you know, you understand that there's an emotion and a personality behind all the things that your body does. Yeah. And I just love that. To me, it creates yeah. such an intimate relationship with yeah. my physiology, which could be quite a dry topic. So if you just read it yeah. in the book. I, and so the other the other thing I have to tell you is that I have this this like dream of doing like a stand up com comedy act of like around all the hormones. And now you're coming with me <laughs> because I think you, we have to make it fun. We have to make it like approachable for people. Mm. Otherwise, health is only for the educated. What do we do with somebody who's like, I don't even know what the word insulin is. But once we give it a personality now, oh, I have a, there's a vibration to it that I can attach vibration. to. Yeah. So I that, love that. Yeah. So I just didn't want that to pass because that was really good. <laughs> um, okay. Second thing, I don't want people to miss what you just said. And this is the thing that we have seen in the fasting world over and over and over again, that you are not, your genes do not have to predict your future. And when it comes to prediabetes, diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, all these situations that are so largely accelerated because of the mismanagement of the metabolic system, we have to remember you're in control. Completely. And a very easy way to grasp this is to look at studies done on identical twins. Identical mm. twins have the exact same DNA to the letter. They look exactly the same, but one of them can get type 2 diabetes while the other one can be perfectly healthy. And it just goes to show that your environment, your food, your exercise, your stress, your chemicals, your emotional, right. everything, that's what's going to impact whether you get a chronic disease or not. And my favorite thing to receive in my messages is messages from people showing me, this was my lab work a month ago, and this is my lab work now. I've reversed my prediabetes. My doctor cannot believe it. Yeah, well, we get those too. My doctor's like, how did, how did, you, how, how did you do this? And so I think it's so cool because, you know, doctors also want to see their patients get better, and yeah. we need to give them easy support and uh, material like my graphs, for example, Your graphs to, to educate their patients in an yeah. easy, simple way. And so I love working with medical professionals who are using all my work with their patients. And that yes. brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. So that actually leads me to the next question yeah. that is burns on my heart all the time, which is why aren't we teaching lifestyle? And when, when I sit with doctors, what I hear is they don't have time. It's like they don't have the time to sit and and go into the detail and do the graphs and that like like you're seeing like you're showing which the problem with that is if it doesn't come out of the doctor's mouth in a in a appointment where somebody's in crisis if they don't say hey let's look at your glucose levels from a lifestyle perspective instead they're given a pill we have more confusion. So when it comes to the things you're talking about, how do we get people to understand that it's lifestyle first, medication second in many cases? You know, that's a very complex question. I, think I know it is. So that's many things you were the going one on. To answer it. Well, first of all, I think it's clear that in medical school, doctors are trained to be very good at treating and diagnosing, right? That is their core competency. Yeah. But That's not the same job as helping somebody with their lifestyle, everyday habits. It is just not the same. So I think we're confounding things a little bit. Like a doctor is an amazing person to give you medication, to solve something, to do surgery. You know, I had back surgery, thank God for modern medicine. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I would be paralyzed. You know, for acute things, it's amazing. But when it comes to lifestyle, I think we need to go see other experts mm -hmm. who are specialized in lifestyle and in habits and in behavior change. It's just not the same job to me. Yeah, agreed. And then how do we do it? Well, listen. I work with a lot of great doctors who support my work and understand that as a scientist, I have time to look at all the latest studies. Doctors mm -hmm. are so busy. Yes. There's no way they're reading There's studies every day. no way. And so it's amazing to be able 
to partner with doctors and to be like, hey, my job is to read all the latest studies, give you all the information, make it easily digestible for your patients or clients, and then you can just give them this stuff. That's right. So we need to create more of a team system. Yeah, agreed. I think. Agreed. And then, you know, I love teaching people on an individual basis on Instagram, in my books. And I think as a scientist, you know, you do have some credibility. People do trust that as a scientist, I understand the science. You know what so you're that's doing. great. Yes. I would never, I don't have any patients. I don't have any clients. I don't prescribe medication. Like that is not at all what I do. Right. I just teach people how their body functions yeah. physiologically. Yeah. So that's the individual like sort of bottom-up approach. And then I think another big problem we have is just the, the huge incentives from the pharma and food industries to keep people sick and hooked on the Great. processed foods and on the medication. Great. So we need more regulation. We need to remove the cartoons from the cereal boxes. We need to <laughs> we need to regulate advertising junk food to kids. Yeah. We need to prevent food companies from saying on the box, no added sugar, if it actually has 30 grams of sugar per serving. Yeah. So we need, everybody needs to work together. Yeah. I don't have the ultimate answer, yeah. but we just got to keep pushing. You think we're ever going to change that? Yes. You do? Okay. Yes, Mindy. Look, 100 years that. ago, women couldn't have a bank account. Mm. You know, we there is progress in society. And you can become cynical and say, oh, we're never going to be able to do it. But I'd rather be in the arena, have mm. hope, try to push stuff versus sit back and say, meh, it's fucked anyway. Yeah, It's just a personality yeah. thing, I think. No, I, I love that. And I, I go back and forth. I have some days where I'm like, I think we can make progress if we learn, if we all get educated and then we vote with our dollars. Yeah. We stop buying the things that are destroying us metabolically. And then I have other days where I'm like, I listen to what you're saying and I'm thinking, yeah, big pharma and big food, they're in bed with each other totally. and they totally can benefit from poor health yep. and there's no financial incentive for humans to be healthy which is again why lifestyle has to be something that we continually talk about because that's where your control shift i is. think we can work with the big food companies to make better products i hope so because i understand you know they're profit driven they need to make money for their shareholders that makes sense but i think you could do that in a way that's better for people right you know and we've seen this happen over and over again they do they do jump on trends yeah but i think it's done slightly in a not very good way yeah. But yeah, I have a lot of hope, thankfully. Otherwise, I would have a really bad time if I was just really <laughs> yeah. sad about my work all the time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so, okay, I want to dial it into women for a second because this is another geek out moment that I spent a, years studying and we're now seeing in our community. And that's that estrogen and progesterone, the two major sex hormones for a woman, although testosterone is important as well, but they are they respond very different to our glucose levels. So you take something like PCOS, PCOS is can be can lead to infertility. We're just going to put it in that category. It also can cause testosterone to go high. But one of the challenges in PCOS is insulin resistance. Yeah. I have seen in Fast Like a Girl, I have a whole PCOS uh, protocol that if you just start fasting, you start to clean up that system and all the symptoms of PCOS mm -hmm. go away. Yeah. I believe that's because that's what estrogen wants. She wants glucose to be low. She wants you to be insulin sensitive. Yes. Progesterone, she's like her twin sister and she is like, looks the same. We call her the same thing, but she doesn't want your glucose to go low. Mm. She actually wants glucose to go higher. And this is based off the research that I've seen and uh, what I've seen in the fasting world when women fast too much, when women go keto too much. When too women, stressful for the body. It's too stressful for the body. So progesterone goes away and then she loses her cycle. Yes. And I also, and let me say one more thing, and then I'm really curious your opinion on this because I also know that progesterone, the reason we crave carbs the week before our cycle starts is because progesterone wants glucose to be higher. 
Girl, the week, the week before your cycle, you can eat the exact same food and it's going to create a bigger glucose spike in your body. That's so right. So if the rest of the month you're having, you know, a cookie and it makes a whatever average spike, the week before your period, that same cookie will make a much bigger spike because progesterone is acting on your glucose levels. Now, what does that mean? It means one, bigger spike, but then bigger drop, which means more activation of the craving center, just adding fuel to the fire. So the week before your cycle, it's so important to do the hacks. And then on the PCOS thing, so when you have insulin resistance, mm -hmm. too much insulin in, the, in your body tells your ovaries to produce more testosterone. Mm. And PCOS is a condition of having this imbalance in your hormones and having way too much testosterone in a female body, you know? And so uh, often the way PCOS is treated is by giving women the birth control pill because that contains female hormones. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that in a female body with so much testosterone and PCOS, the birth control pill will come in and sort of average things out again and rebalance female versus male hormones. But that is not solving the problem. That is just masking the symptom. Then you stop the pill, bam, testosterone is again higher than the female hormones. Mm -hmm. You're not ovulating, you can't have kids, etc. We need to solve the underlying insulin resistance issue. By the way, some PCOS actually presents without insulin resistance, mm -hmm. but in many cases, they go hand in hand. Right. And so how do we reverse insulin resistance? By lowering glucose spikes lowering insulin levels, and then it naturally comes back into balance. And do you think that if you start to clean up your food system, the way my eyes see it is that years ago, we stored extra glucose and insulin when the body did, was in this malfunctioned place. You mean extra glucose as fat? Yeah, yeah, gets stored as fat. And so when we go into the fasted state, the body is forced to, to release that. Mm. Um, I'm going to challenge my own, my own um, belief systems here. Do you think, and what you're seeing, is if I'm a 200-pound obese individual mm -hmm. and I put fiber in, I do my apple cider vinegar, I do all the hacks you shared, and I clean up my, my metabolic system, will my body naturally drop weight? Hard to say. You know, what I see is that uh, fat loss is often a consequence in about 50% of people, mm -hmm. a consequence of steadier glucose levels because with steadier glucose, you have fewer cravings. So mm -hmm. it's much easier to eat less processed mm. food that are you know very palatable and super calorie dense. You're less hungry because yeah. your hunger hormones are much more balanced and your insulin levels are lower. And we know that in order to burn fat for fuel, your insulin has to be low, mm. right? So it kind of makes intuitive sense yeah. that that is a really great way to go. I can't, I can't guarantee it. I see it a lot and I think it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, you could also, for example, keep your glucose levels very steady by adding pounds and pounds and pounds of butter to everything you eat. Because more fat, more clothing on the carbs, steadier glucose, but then you're adding so many calories that you're not going to lose weight, yeah. right? So uh, to answer your question, yes, probably. Yeah. That's what I see. So with many of the conditions that are affecting women, let's mm. just, we, we talked about PCOS, we talked about infertility. I'm just going to throw a couple more out that, I, that I've seen just yeah. from rolling my book out into the world and hearing all these messages, much like you. Uh, menopausal symptoms, mm -hmm. horrific. Yep. Um, we've, you know, mood disorders, really, really bad. Um, cardiovascular health, especially going into menopause. We got Alzheimer's, dementia. Of all these conditions, autoimmune conditions mm -hmm. that are happening to women, how many of these do you feel could be cleaned up if we clean the metabolic system up? I mean, how? Uh, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Listen, your body cannot be healthy if you are on a glucose roller coaster. And your glucose roller coaster will exacerbate any symptoms that you're having. So, for example, in the studies, they show that menopause symptoms diminish drastically, insomnia, hot flashes, if you keep 
a diet that is lower in glucose spikes. Mental health. That's why I got into this in the first place, mm. because I discovered that my mental health was worse the days where I had more glucose spikes. That's right. And my brain felt so much better where my glucose levels yep. were steady. Alzheimer's is now called type 3 diabetes by some scientists because yep. we're realizing that what's happening in the brain of somebody with Alzheimer's is very similar to what happens in the body of somebody with type 2 diabetes. It's just, it is so key and so core to all aspects of our health. Agreed. It, it, it's not the only thing, but you need to have steady glucose levels as the foundation of your health. You cannot build a house of a healthy brain, healthy body, healthy life if your glucose levels are all over the place. It is just impossible. It impacts your hormones. It impacts your skin. It makes you age faster. Yep. Every single one of your organs becomes yep. inflamed. Your mitochondria are all messed up. You don't have any energy. You're hungry all the time. You can't leave the house without a snack. You're craving sugar five times a day. You don't sleep well. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on because every cell, every part of your body burns glucose for energy, is sensitive to your glucose levels. So obviously, it's like if you're chronically dehydrated. Yeah. Like everything is going to suffer, mm, right? Well, if your glucose levels are all over the place, everything is going to yeah. suffer. Yeah. So what I like to tell people is, if you could feel better than you currently do, if you could feel better than you currently do, then try to steady your glucose levels yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. That is the request. Yeah. It's easy. It's free. You're right. just adding stuff into your life. It's common sense yeah. plus scientific evidence to support it. Just try. Yeah. Two days. Yeah. You'll see. And see what happens. Exactly. Right? You'll see your moods change. Exactly. That's, uh, that was exactly. I mean, one of my favorite phrases is you don't need motivation, you need momentum. Oh. And when you once you get momentum, then the motivation becomes effortless. Mm. The what do you mean by momentum? You've got to see that the diet is working for you. So think about how many people have gone on calorie restriction diets and like the within the first week, their motivation is high because they're like, I want to lose weight. But after a week, maybe two weeks, they're like, this is getting hard, this is getting harder, 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 harder. And if they don't see the result right away, then they're out. It's like why people in the new year two weeks in are done. Yeah. So, but once you have momentum, like what you just said, two days of trying the hacks you just said, mm -hmm. now you're like, whoa. Oh my God, my moods are better. Like my clothes are a little bit lighter in two days. Yeah. And it's not even hard anymore. No. You don't even need motivation. No. You're like, no, tell that's me. That's the thing. You know, that's where they're like, hey, Jesse, Mindy, what else should we do? Exactly. You know, and that happens so fast mm -hmm. because of just knowing how your chemistry works. Yeah. And that's where I get irate because I'm like, well, we just need to let people understand how they physi physiologically were designed. Yes. Once you get this, then it becomes really fun and it becomes effortless to follow through. Totally. So that's, exactly. that's what's brilliant about that. Uh, Ozempic. Oh. We got to go there because okay. I'm getting the question a lot and I want to know what your thoughts are on it. I mean, first of all, Wow. Yeah. Like, whoa. Um, it's It's been very helpful to many people who've struggled Agreed. with losing weight for a long time. But to me, it brings up such emotions of um, sadness because I'm like, okay, so we are in a society where our food system is so toxic and the food around us is so bad for us that we need a pill to prevent us from eating it. Do you realize the situation we're yes, in? Yes, a thousand percent. That is just mad. And I, my heart goes out to everybody who's felt stuck for so long and for whom this this is a, a solution. Now, a couple things that are really interesting that have come out. First of all, when you lose a lot of weight on Ozempic or any of the other GLP-1 agonists, turns out you're losing fat, but you're also losing muscle. Mm -hmm. Very rapidly. Agreed. And then when you stop it, if and when you stop it, 
you're probably going to gain weight back and it's not going to be muscle, it's going to be fat. So you might end up in a worse situation. So if you are on one of these medications, also learn how your body works mm -hmm. so that you can adapt your lifestyle habits at the same time. And when you stop, you're in a better place mm -hmm. and you can continue a healthier life. I think that's so key. And then I also want people to understand how they work. So these medications, there's a hormone in your body called GLP-1. And you know, after a big family dinner, when you're so full and your aunt is like, Mindy, have more cake. And you're like, no, Aunt Shirley, you're like, I cannot. <laughs> I'm so stuffed. One of the reasons you feel stuffed is because of GLP-1. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a natural hormone we all produce. And these medications like Ozempic, they trick your brain mm -hmm. into thinking there's lots of GLP-1 around. Mm. GLP-1 is not actually higher. They're just tricking your brain mm. into thinking there's more. Right. Okay. So you are using a trick on your physiology. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to understand how yeah. it works. What are your thoughts? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, my brain was like, I'm going to go look up GLP-1 and see what fasting does to it. Because mm -hmm. I know that fasting, when you start to get a ketone, mm -hmm. it suppresses ghrelin. So the hunger hormone goes yep. away. So every person that I've sat with that has had great success with any of the weight loss drugs, what they tell me is I'm just not hungry anymore. And what my brain interprets that is I, I'm not hungry either. Yeah. Because I've managed this metabolic switch where I'm fasting along with really smart food, putting it together so I don't have these big glucose spikes. Mm -hmm. So I, I, do you, I'm sure you feel the same way. Totally. You can increase GLP-1 naturally, for right. example, by eating in a way that keeps your glucose level steady, by adding fiber to your diet. And I, I, we can talk about it later, but I, I created something that also increases GLP-1 naturally. So it's it, it's possible to tap into this. Yeah. You can fast and regulate your hunger hormones. You can eat in a way that avoids spikes so that you don't get these crazy hunger pangs right. every couple of hours. But it's amazing that we have, we've had to short circuit our body to be able to exist yeah. in this food landscape. Yeah. And that's the biggest takeaway I have. Yeah. It's like, you know, I take agree. them, don't take them. That's your personal choice. I have no judgment. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, look where we are. Yep. Thank you. Like, look around. Yeah. Holy crap. Thank you. That's because that's what I feel as well. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's what we're not discussing. Yeah. So everybody there's I, I feel like we've got two sides of the of the conversation. Some people are like, yes, it is the quickest way to create this metabolic shift and get people to lose weight that we're on the path to actually dying. Yeah. And when I look at it through that lens, I go, yep, that makes sense. Give them a pill so they can shift it. Completely. And then and that's a medical use, right? That's, that's yes. different than people who actually are perfectly healthy taking it because they want to lose weight. I, it, it, it's a spectrum, you know, it depends Agreed. on how it's being used for Ag sure. Agreed. And then on the other end, I, so I've also been recently diving into this concept of an obesogen. Mm. Um, and I don't know what you know about obesogens, but there are chemicals that you put in that are now put in our food. Uh, a big one is BHA and BHT. Mm. Uh, you can find, just read your labels. You'll see them in there. Aspartame. What about seed oils? Yeah, all the seed oils, yeah. aspartame. Mm. Um, there's a long list of obesogens. But here's what obesogens do mm. is that they hijack stem cells and they make stem cells start to create fat cells. What? Yes. I'll send you the study. Wow. The one I specifically saw was that it hijacked a stem cell and made it the stem cells that made bone cells in young children. This is in you. Yeah. It, that it actually makes fat cells instead in, of instead, bone cells. Instead of bone cells. Wow, girl, for real. Yeah, it's a huge. It's a huge meta analysis that I just discovered two weeks ago, and then I started to think, oh my gosh, like between that. And what we know about food creating this dopamine response, we are so food addicted now 
that it's A, not the person's fault. This is where I get really upset because I'm like, let's stop looking at somebody who's obese and say they're undisciplined. They have been chemically hijacked. Yeah, that's just, again, another branch of the marketing. That's right. From the food industry. Right. If you're sick, it's because you're lazy. That's That's not true. Agreed. Right. Uh, A thousand percent. So if people who are listening to this did not get that freaking memo, like get it and understand Mm -hmm. that it's time to look at your body through the lens of chemistry. Yeah. Then the second thing that I really think is that it takes all the power away. So when I take a drug and I lose weight, I think it's the drug. I don't give myself any credit. But what you're teaching and what I'm teaching is that I'm saying, we're saying there's this system inside your body that can be regulated if you understand the rules of the game. Mm -hmm. And once you understand the rules of the game and you regulate it and you drop weight, you're the one that gets the credit. Nobody else gets the credit but you. And that (laughs) changes everything in that person's world when they take ownership over their health. Hmm. Interesting point of view. I see what you mean. Yeah, I think agency freedom is so key. Right. And then we're back at momentum. Now yeah. I have momentum. I made a smart choice. I, I created a result in my body. I love what I'm looking at in the mirror. My blood work is looking great. And I freaking did that. <laughs> yeah. and, and like I always say that one of the things that blew me away from Fast Like a Girl is I literally thought I was writing a fasting manual. Mm-hmm. But what I have come a year later to determine is that I wrote a women's empowerment book. Oh, that's nice. I had no idea because what it did and what you're doing, and I don't know if you see it this way, but the, I got to give you credit too, because what you're doing is you're giving people the power back. For sure. That, 100%. And that's I think that doing. is so important. Yeah. So, so completely just, agree. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah. that's what another mental part of the Ozempic or all the weight loss drugs is that we there's it's like we don't need to go down that path. There's too many other simple things you can do. So. And if you do, it's also, you know, your choice. But yes, I think it's so important to teach people these easy principles that have been obfuscated by decades and decades of marketing messages from the food industry. That's right. I want to give people the power back and the agency back, just like you do. That's Agreed. right. That's yeah. right. Okay. Talk about your new product. Because, yeah. Um, I Well, for starters, I mean, I'm sure by the time this comes out, you've probably already talked about it. You announced it. But I do feel honored to be one of the first oh, people. Oh, yes. And, and I got to tell you, my community... It's going to love Girl, it. Girl, this okay. is going to be, so talk so, about it. preface. First of all, try my hacks. They're free. They're super simple. They're food-based. However, for the past couple of years, my readers have asked me, Jesse, what if I don't like vinegar? You were like, mm-hmm. I hate vegetables. People ask me, can I take a fiber pill? Can I take vinegar in a capsule? So I was like, okay, let's have a look at this. And a little bit from the same place as I used to develop all my hacks, I looked at all the research Mm -hmm. on supplements, ingredients that can help you with your glucose levels that you can put in a pill. Well, the stuff on the market, how do I put this? There's a lot of bullshit. I was just going to say, junk, because I've looked into supplements. It's trash and toxins and Yeah, there are a lot of of gummies Mm. with vinegar in them that also have, you know, three grams of sugar per serving. There's a lot of marketing crap out there, unfortunately. So I wanted to see if I could create something that would actually be helpful to people Mm -hmm. and not be bullshit. So the plants that I've put into anti-spike formula, they've actually been around forever, Mm -hmm. right? They're super easy plants. We have mulberry leaf, we have lemon, we have cinnamon and Mm -hmm. antioxidants from green vegetables. But recently, scientists across the world have discovered that these specific molecules from those specific plants have amazing impact on your glucose levels. Mm. And those are the ones that I put into here. So the ingredients in anti-spike have over 25 clinical trials backing them, 100% plant. I sourced the highest quality 
best potency of them all. And so what it does, it does two things. Number one, when you take it before eating carbs, it grabs up to 40% of the carbs in the meal, up to 40, 40% of the carbs in the meal. And instead of letting those carbs turn to glucose and go into your bloodstream and create a spike, they grab the carbs and they get down to your microbiome where they are processed there. Your microbiome loves feeding on undigested carbs. It mm. makes short-chain fatty acid. This is amazing. And then if you do this every day before the meal of your choice, you're also going to unlock these long-term benefits from all of the polyphenols mm. in the plants that I have put here. Specifically, the lemon extract is super powerful. This, These molecules have been shown to help reverse prediabetes after 12 weeks, lowering your fasting glucose levels by 10 milligrams. I mean, it's crazy stuff. That's a huge amount. And increasing GLP-1, as we were talking about, that's the hormone ozempic axon, but it's actually increasing it by 15% Mm. after six weeks by working on your gut microbes, okay? So it's not a magic pill. I don't want people to replace the hacks with this. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, it costs money. So it's not for everybody. But if you want to add to your tool belt one extra thing, one extra supplement, this is the one for your glucose levels, hands down. There's nothing better on the market. It is literally the best thing out there. But again, not a magic pill. Use the hacks first and foremost. This is in addition to help you, right? You have to look at your food. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have a terrible diet and take anti-spike all the time yes. and you know counteract yes, it. That's you. not the point. Yes, It's an extra tool. And this is also really helpful for people who message me who are like, Jesse, my dad has diabetes. He doesn't want to change his diet. What can I do to yes. help him? Yeah. This will also very much help you. Or if you're traveling, you're on the plane, you're at a birthday party, you don't have veggies, you don't have vinegar, you don't have other hacks. Mm. This is your friend in your purse. So could it sounds to me like it could, it's a bridge between a metabolically healthy person and one who's not. Yeah. That how do you start to change that but behavior? The hacks are the same, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's all a big family of tools that you yeah. can use. And then in my second book, I focus on four hacks, but my first book has 10 hacks. And so pick and choose what calls mm. you. Use yeah. your intuition. Is it the savory breakfast? Mm-hmm. Is it the veggie starter? Is it the vinegar? Is it the anti-spike? Is it mm. those on carbs? Like, which one are you drawn to? Because like that's tool- the one you should start with. Oh, it's like a toolbox. Exactly. See, I love that. Exactly. That I always say that with the fasting. I have six different totally. length fasts and people are like, which one should I do? I'm like, which one? What are you trying to accomplish with yes. your body? What do you do? Which you- one feels like the one that is yeah. calling your name? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I just have to point out that's a very yeah. feminine approach to healthcare that I think we've lost. Mm. It's a you know, we do have, and again, I'm always going to stand up for the woman. And I feel like we have a very patriarchal healthcare system, which is do this, don't do that. And what I just heard and what you said is- Into your body. Yeah. Your intuition uh-huh. tell you what you should do. Totally. So, and and then what if I want to have like, a just let's just put out there like, yeah. I want to have like a bottle of wine and a and, and a bunch of chocolate cake. Yum. Yeah. But <laughs> You're I a chocolate girl, right? I'm a, cho- I'm a chocolate, I'm a chocolate girl. wine girl. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So- but I don't really want the consequence of the blood sugar. Mm. I would say. Or the blood sugar spike. Yeah. I, say. I mean, anti-spike is a good solution if you want something fast and in a pill or put some clothing on that cake. Have some almonds before, mm. you know, have a little bit, have a little leftover veggies before you have everything. Mm. Have some cheese with Jeez. the wine before the cake. Ooh, I could do that. You could also go for a little walk afterwards. Or, yes. you know, if you've had wine, like dancing in your living room, your muscles are going to soak up some of the glucose. You can always compose with the hacks, whatever music feels good that day. Yeah. Uh, but also remember that some some decisions we make are for pleasure and not everything has to be optimized for your health. And if you're having a day where you don't want to do any of the hacks, sometimes I wake up, it's a Sunday, it's 10 a.m. and I want ice cream for breakfast and I'll have it yeah. and I won't do any hacks. 
Yeah. You have to, yeah, you have yeah, to live you, that way. All flexibility. Totally. Oh my God. Totally. Well, okay. Before I go into my last question, the first thing I have to say is I feel like I have met my glucose sister. Oh, like, thanks, Mindy. I, I spend so much time trying to help women specifically mm. understand their glucose and the impact on all their hormones. Yeah. And when you, when I saw your stuff and just listening to you today, I was just like, yes, like Thank you. this is so refreshing and this is the message the world needs. So oh, you're I'm so just, kind. Thank you so much for uh, having me, Mindy. Yeah, I love it. It's just, it's really, I could sit and talk to you for hours. I'm like, <laughs> oh, now most people can't talk about blood sugar that I know. <laughs> They're like, oh God, blood yeah. sugar. <laughs> so, okay, here's my last question. Tell me. And this is my question for this season's podcast yeah. because I think I think it's one that not we don't think about enough, which mm -hmm. is what does health mean to you? Like in a day to day, when you know you're healthy, what does it mean? And do you have a health goal that you are working towards right now? And what love would that it? Be? Health it means freedom to me. Yeah, because if you're free to do the stuff that you want to do, and there's nothing in your way, you don't have uh, chronic fatigue in your way, you don't have skin issues in your way, you don't have some hormonal problems in your way, you don't have poor sleep in your way, you don't have cravings in your way. It's freedom. Getting your health is freedom. And I had this issue when I was younger. My health was completely broken mm -hmm. mentally, physically. And I was like, nothing else matters. Mm -hmm. I literally cannot live if yeah. my health is not fixed. Yep. So I think health is freedom. Yeah, great. Um, and then what's a health goal? Listen, for 2024, my word is space. Not going to Ooh, space. No. But I want, I want more space in my life because the past four years, five years have been a roller coaster for me. And so 2024, I want more space. I want more time. I just want things to be a bit calmer. I feel like I got to the top of a mountain now and I want to have a little picnic and just chill a little bit before I, you know, look at the next mountain. Oh, so space. I am, I am, I'm, I'm rolling out my picnic blanket <laughs> and I'm joining you on the top of that uh, mountain because thanks, I feel Mindy. exactly the same thing really? about space. space. And, and when, you know, when you're delivering a message to the world, it can consume you. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's, it's really hard. hard. And when you know it's going to impact very so many people, but you have to take care of your health first. Yeah. So, so that's that's yeah. my 2024 mission. So we'll talk again in 2025. Yeah, we'll like, see. I have a million different projects and I'll be back uh, climbing another mountain. But for now, it's just space, rest, okay. peace. Yeah, you know, love it. Okay, it. where do people find you? Instagram, Glucose Goddess and GlucoseGoddess.com with yeah. all the info, the books, anti-spike everything amazing thank you thank so you much so Mindy much for having for me everything you're doing it's just it's incredible I thank you this. for the conversation yeah thank you so much for joining me in today's episode I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you if you enjoyed it we'd love to know about it so please leave us a review share it with your friends and let me know what your biggest takeaway is 